Michigan's Upper Peninsula is my home and Escanaba is my hometown. I'm Craig Warple. Hometown Escanaba connects with the people, activities, and newsmakers of Escanaba and the UP. Join us for more interviews at hometownescanaba.com. Now let's find out what's going on. Joining us this morning is Emily DeSavo, Delta County Administrator. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Good morning. The Superior uh, Trade Zone is something that you mentioned at last night's meeting, and I went, oh, I haven't heard about that in so long. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Obviously, since the uh, pandemic has begun. Mm-hmm. So you're having a meeting this week. On Thursday, tomorrow, we're meeting virtually uh, via Zoom. And actually, since I've taken over as county administrator, I've only gone to one meeting. Um, they had a meeting right when I started, and then COVID hit, and they haven't met. So this is exciting for me to kind of jump in. It's it's going to be a learning experience for me, too, to see um, where I fit in and, and what I can learn and, and contribute to it. So still a relevant organization to kind of make work? Oh, absolutely. I believe so. Um, you know, f- just from what I know and what I've experienced, I think it's a lot of um, information sharing between the counties and the cities um, locally and, um, you know, kind of big picture and something that I can take and then bring back to Delta County. Just a reminder, since it's been a couple of years since we've talked about it, I used to follow the Superior Trade Zone meetings all the time uh-huh. uh, because it was a regional effort to try and economically uh, market the central part of the UP. Right. And so... Right. And, and and the last meeting that I went to, there was a lot of talk because um, Nagani city manager, they were just um, in the beginning phases of a renovation of their park district within Nagani. Um, so I, I was kind of getting a grasp on that and learning from some of the community leaders around and, and how um, those types of developments can spread out into neighboring cities and counties and what Delta County could take back from that um, and putting into our county. So I'm actually really excited to get into that that group and learn from them because, um, you know, Marquette's um, county administrator attends those meetings as well, and, and he's very knowledgeable, and so I'm excited to, to see what they have on the horizon. Well, it's not like you have anything else to do, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> One of those is getting the 911 authority up and running. Yes. And you've now passed that October passed 1st the deadline. deadline. <laughs> are you up and running independently of Escanaba Public Safety now? Um, we are. Those employees are now um, employees of the authority. They are no longer employees of the city, which was the major kind of split, I guess, um, and take away from what has happened. Um, you know, we're still working out kinks and the city has still um, been gracious enough with their HR department, um, their controller in helping us and in, in trying to transition over, um, as well as the county lending um, IT help and, and to the dispatchers. And, um, you know, it's been kind of a collaborative effort in getting that change over to happen. Uh, we're working out the kinks. We knew that probably the first month or two, there'd be things that we forgot to transition over that we would need to do. Um, But so far, so good. Um, Jen Peterson, the director, has been doing a phenomenal job in keeping everybody together and um, getting information out to the dispatchers and making sure that everybody's on the same page. The board that runs the authority will stay the same? You don't have to change that at all? No, we don't have to change that at all. There's still representation um, per the bylaws of the authority um, on the board. Mm -hmm. So the board will remain the same. All right. 
Authorities like the Solid Waste Authority here are more independent from county operations. The State Fair Authority would be another one. Correct. Uh, is that going to happen here, or are you going to have more hands-on involvement as a county with this authority? Um, it's still going to be independent. So the board will still make the decisions. Um, they still control their budget. Um, the county board doesn't control the authority's budget. That way it still operates independent of the county's budget, just like the solid waste authority and the, and the fair authority, like you mentioned. Um, However, you are chair. Correct. So it, it kind of it kind of draws the county in a little bit um, just because of that and because of my involvement and how involved I am um, with with the 911 authority because I am the chair of it. Um, so it is a little bit more, um, you know, the county has always lent services to the authority as far as help with IT or with billing. Um, we're going to continue that role. We feel that the 911 authority is very important to the community and to Delta County and the residents. So whatever the county can do to assist that and continue it, we're going to do. You were the, uh, I guess would you coordinator or director for the courts before you took this job? Right. I was the um, district court administrator. So you did a lot of that within the courts. Now you're dealing right. with the emergency parts of things. <laughs> right. Kind of a, a shift, but not so much so for you. And Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, I enjoy that part of it because it's something that I did prior as far as the relationships um, that I gained from the different law enforcement agencies. Um, you know, there, there's new information that I'm now obtaining on a different, mm -hmm. um, a different aspect because before I was involved more in the court side with law enforcement. Now I'm actually involved more with like the first responding and how that works. Um, so it's, it's been a learning experience and getting to know that side of it. Um, but I enjoy working with those agencies. Um, it's something that um, I'm passionate about and making sure that we have those services here for the county. Um, so I, I really do enjoy being a part of that board. Next week, you're going with the Emergency Management Coordinator, Paul Geyer, to a meeting or training in Marquette to deal with emergency type situation. Right. The training is going to center on, um, you know, public figures such as the county administrator and how we get word out during a catastrophic event that might happen in Delta County, um, how we can communicate that um, via social media, um, getting it out to other key players um, in the county that are going to need to respond. So it'll be all new information for me that way that I haven't received training on. Which in these days is all COVID-19. You've Very been sending out so. information on that. Mm -hmm. Last night's meeting, you actually had Mike Snyder, the uh, health officer with Public Health, Delta and Menominee Counties at the meeting. So I guess he stepped on your report a little bit, right? Yeah, I've been coordinating with him. I try every county board meeting to contact him either a d the day of or the day before to get new and relevant information about COVID so mm -hmm. that I can update the commissioners on that. Um, and he so happened to be there yesterday. And so he had given me the report ahead of time. I was gonna, going to give it to the commissioners, but he was kind of put on the spot to come up and give it, which he doesn't mind at all. Um, he's done that before for us. So he gave a, a new report with new numbers um, and new vaccination information yesterday. 18% positivity rate right now in Delta County, the highest it's been since November. Since, yes, last fall when we were going through that spike last fall. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's discouraging, but at the same time, I'm hoping, and as Mike said yesterday, that we may be hitting a little bit of a plateau and then hopefully we'll start to decline now. Um, you know, I think he said 24% of, of the positives are coming from children um, ages 5 to 19. Um, so, you know, with school opening back up, we knew that there probably would be a spike in numbers at this time. 25%, 24% 
are those under the age of 19, which right. is certainly a difference from last fall. Right. Yeah, last fall we didn't see the younger population um, as far as uh, positives go. They weren't a huge percentage of our positives that we were getting, whereas this year they are. Um, you know, talking with Mike about it, the Delta variant definitely has play in that. Um, so it, we're just I wonder, trying... too, that with so many people now vaccinated, the virus has to go somewhere. Right, right. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of, you know, once you think you've got it figured out, you don't have it right. figured out. So we're mm-hmm. just trying to, you know, do the best that we can. The health department, you know, um, they've been working around the clock trying to make sure that there's contact tracing. Um, Mike meets with the superintendents of the schools right. often to try Every to help week. them. Right. Um, so we're just trying to do the best we can with the knowledge that we have moving forward. He was at last night's meeting to address a resolution that the board is considering. I'm not asking you to address the resolution, but I thought what was interesting is that he said that this resolution would not affect his ability to make a public order if it's needed, which he has not done during the entire pandemic. Right. He hasn't. He He's met with, um, you know, the schools, like I said, and other public officials and talked about it. And even with myself, I've had conversation with him about if he feels it necessary to mandate masking or to mandate, you know, put out any um, restrictions in the community. Um, you know, I think he really is trying to work with those agencies and, and um, you know, leaders around the community to try not to get to that point. Um, He's trying to come up with creative ways to work with them and and mitigate the spread of the virus without having to put mandates out there in the public. Um, He he likes to leave that up to those leaders, which I I respect him for that. What about the ability to still make those decisions despite this resolution, which covers mask mandates and proof of vaccination? Um, he, he cited a few codes yesterday uh, during the meeting, which he works under, which gives him that authority. So this resolution would not um, trump or diminish those those um, uh, statutes that he would be working under. So he would be able to issue mandates or public health orders into the community if he felt that they were necessary. The airport had another update and they are now painting the runways. Good, because now the planes know where to go, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, it's our last step in that project. Um, it, you know, it, you could tell just by the way that our airport manager, Andrea um, Numelin, had reported yesterday that it was a sigh of relief that that project is now complete. It was the big hurdle to, to get over um, just for even the funding portion of that. Um, so now the last step of that is painting um, both runways. Um, the the second or the smaller runway wasn't included in that project. So yesterday she just came to the board asking for money up front so that she can get that painted and then she'll reimburse the county with the CARES Act grant that she has. I forgot to bring up, since we kind of had a theme there of emergency management type of stories, but you had the contract with Schoolcraft County, something you do every year, oh, right. but that shared services with Paul Geyer. I know there was some concerns at first when he took that position over from... Uh, um, Bob Beerbaum. Bob Beerbaum. Mm-hmm. So how has that been going? Is it? It's good. Um, you know, if it were up to Paul, I think that he would, he feels torn because there's so much to do, especially with COVID 
in Schoolcraft County and in Delta County. So it's really hard to make sure that he's giving enough time to both counties where it needs to be. Um, luckily, a lot of the same things that need to be done um, are happening in, in both counties, so he can kind of cover it at the same time. Um, but there is so much that needs to be done that I think he feels a little torn sometimes as to where he's spending his time. But he's doing a phenomenal job. Since the beginning of the pandemic, um, Paul has been a constant. He's been um, somebody who stayed on top of everything, has helped out all of our first responders in the area, agencies, getting that information out. Um, our EOC board meets monthly, um, and he gives those COVID updates and 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 not even just COVID, but in between mm -hmm. there were different reports that he needed to do and, and get in. So he's been very busy. Yeah, you still have to make all those plans for the right. other things that might happen out <laughs> Correct. there. Correct. Yeah. So he's been updating those and um, he's he's really um, been staying on top of it. And we're happy in Delta County that we can help Schoolcraft County out in that way and supply that position to them so that they can still receive some of those services that Paul is offering. Dave Lord, who is president and CEO of OSF St. Francis Hospital and Medical Group last night said last weekend was the worst weekend he's seen in the, his nine years in the position at the hospital. Is there now a concern within Paul Geyer's world on what might happen? And even though it's not all COVID, I mean, there's other things that are a part of it. it they're not at the point of overwhelmed, but. Yeah, it, it was a very, um, sombering and heartbreaking report that Dave was giving at the meeting last night. Um, and I know that since the beginning of this, the amount of beds we have and care that we can give in the community has always been our number one concern, um, COVID or, or not COVID related. We want to make sure that our residents are being able to be treated or transferred out if they need services somewhere else that OSF can't provide. Um, so it, it is something that's been on Paul's radar since the beginning of this. Um, so we have declared the state of emergency, which does open up other possibilities for agencies such as the hospital. Um, you heard Dave talk last night about uh, requesting extra beds. Um, or Is that bed going space. to be something that you're going to do here? And At the beginning of the pandemic, there was going to be a facility that was a possible if needed. I don't think right now um, we we have that plan in place. Yes, we had to make sure that we had a plan in place in case there were extra beds um, that we needed or a different facility that we needed to put patients in. Um, we still have that plan in place. And Dave did request those extra beds for OSF. The problem is that sometimes even if we have those extra beds, we don't have the staff to take care of those extra patients that would fill those beds. Um, so that's kind of the crisis that we're landing in right now in the community is that, um, you know, we might have the space, but we don't have the nursing or the, or the doctors to take care of those patients. And that's where the real problem lies and, and something that is of major concern. And I'm glad that Dave came to the board and reported on that last night to tell the board, this is what's really happening in the community and we need to pay attention. I'm sure that's part of his frustration because that wasn't the case at the beginning of the pandemic. No, I think I think as the pandemic has gone on and these healthcare workers are just overworked and there might have been nurses that were close to retirement and decided I'm just going to retire now because it's been so much on them um, that they're losing they're losing staff and it, it's hard to recruit right now for them. Um, they're trying to think of creative ways and, and working uh, with agencies such as Michigan Works and Bay College to try to get the staff that they need to to help out right now but it is a major concern right now for us that's been the case in a lot of industries not just healthcare here in the upper Correct. peninsula 
because I remember somebody telling me a few years back that, you know, the UP's workforce has been so old and so entrenched that it wasn't allowing the younger people to come up and they were going to all start to retire. COVID, they all retired at the same time, right. which exasperated the situation. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, you hear it uh, nationally. This isn't a problem that's just unique to Delta County. This is a problem that is all over the mm-hmm. United States right now. Um, you know, you hear stories from different cities and states all over about not being able to find workers or businesses having to shut down because they just can't staff um, for the hours or, or close their hours up a little bit because they can't staff. Um, you know, so I think that um, locally as a group, the Hannaville Task Force, when we meet monthly we talk about those issues um, working with Michigan Works coming up with creative job fairs ideas things that we can try to draw that younger workforce into the community and get them working Um, so it's definitely something that we've been working on as a community. Emily DeSavo is Delta County's administrator I appreciate your time with us this morning thank Thank you you so much. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our sponsor, SwedishPimple.com. Check out all of the fishing lures made right here in the Upper Peninsula at SwedishPimple.com. You can continue to follow us at HometownEscanaba.com. We connect with the people, activities, and newsmakers from Escanaba and Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Upper Peninsula.